I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. It's finally September. Elk season is here. And this is our final chapter of our Elk Month series. So this week, I'm going to be breaking down what I feel are the top 10 scenarios you might encounter while chasing elk and then what to do. I'm going to share some of my favorite tips and ways to turn those tough scenarios into success. So this week, we're going to jump straight into our scenarios to get a bull under tough conditions. This week, I feel like because we've got so many scenarios and there's going to be inevitably some good stories uh, relating to some of the tips that instead of just doing a story, we're going to jump right into our scenario. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to outline each one is like what I thought of as a scenario that happens pretty much every elk season, right? In a way that um, generally it's like, okay, well, what's my next move? So the first one is going to be number one, you get busted by a cow while moving in on the herd. This is something, it's like they're big groups of elk. There's all these lookouts. What happens if one cow busts you? Uh, I can think of nearly every scenario where I've been moving in on a bull and a cow is going to see me. I kind of have this weird philosophy, right? It's like I kind of have to think of it in, in a couple different ways. When you're moving in on an elk herd, I kind of just say in my, to myself, well, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. There's going to be a few cows that see you, but the key is to not get that cow to take the entire herd away, right? You need to be able to move around the cow. So the first action is call. As soon as a cow busts, whether it's close to the herd, whether I'm whatever, I hit that call and I throw out a cow call because what it does is it snaps them out of that, oh, danger because there's so many moving parts in the herd. So if you bust an animal, or it could be a cow, it could be a bull, it doesn't even matter. First thing is, boom, hit that call. Uh, you're going to want to hit that call and then simultaneously freeze, whether you can drop down at the same time. Because I think of a elk-like Jurassic Park describes the T-Rex, right? If you aren't moving, they can't see you. Um, if you're calling, it's like, oh, that was an elk. Now, if they've moved out of sight, great. If not, just lay down, freeze. Because if they don't see what that danger was and that calling kind of snapped them out of that panic, like, oh, maybe it was just an, a calf elk running around. There's been so many times where I've just sat up on a hill observing elk, and you'll see all these bedded elk, and then a calf comes like screaming by, right? And the, all the elk stand up like, Ooh, what was that? And then the calf just like kicking around playing and oh, okay. And they just go back to their, their thing. There's a lot of moving parts in a herd of elk, a lot of things moving around. So just because you know, if they, they didn't smell you, you didn't get winded, you just got spotted. 
it's definitely fixable with the right move. So make the call, freeze, and then the next thing I do is I move away. Uh, last year, I, I pretty much was going after this one particular bull in the herd, and I had to literally crawl past, I don't even know, 30 elk to get there. And it was uh, spread out over the hill, right? These groups were kind of spread up, things spread out, things were moving. So I ended up, um, you know, crawling in and it's like, oh, I, I would bump this cow and it'd run up the, meow, meow. freeze, okay, just like lay down, crawl back out of its sight and then keep moving. Sometimes these motions don't take very long. It's not like what you don't want to get in the habit of doing is busting a cow, calling, freezing and staying there for an hour, right? Um, because there's going to, you got to get yourself in a position where you can get around them and move and continue your hunt, especially if that cow is, is not really with your group, just kind of off on its own. You want to try to get around them. And if they go the other way, they go the other way, but you can't treat every elk. Like it's the most, like you got to freeze and wait until whatever you can make your call. You can get out of sight and then just move away. You can get away with a lot in a group of elk. And sometimes you have to try to get away with some stuff. Otherwise, you aren't going to kill anything. But if you bust a cow, that doesn't mean that it's over. Now, what I don't want you to do is bust a cow and be like, oh, it'll be fine. Because a busted cow can take the whole herd with them. So that's why we call, we freeze, and we move away or get out of sight when, when possible. And try to do it sooner rather than later so they don't get coming to you and try to look and be like oh what's this and spend the next two hours pinned down by one cow when you could just got out of there and uh, made a move on the bull that you're going after or uh, whatever you're going after all right number two so you bugle and then the bull just rounds up his cows i've talked about this in the past but the tactic right now is going to be dogging the bull the hot pursuit this is a natural reaction, and I say this a lot, but I don't think I can stress it enough because when I started elk hunting, I don't think that I invented this tactic, but I invented it for me because nobody told me about it. And I had only heard up until that point, when you bugle and a bull grabs his cows and goes the other way, that's it for you, bud. And that's not the case. I kill more bulls uh, once they round up their cows than I do bulls that aren't rounding up their cows. It's because it's a natural reaction to what elk are doing. So what you're going to do is you're going to go into hot pursuit. You're going to dog that bull. And by dogging that bull is you're going to act like a bull that is also wanting those cows and wanting them aggressively. That's what satellite bulls do. You are going to become a satellite bull. This is where that physical fitness comes in. And I cannot stress enough how the better shape you're in, the more tactics you can use. And a lot of the tactics that I talk about, you know, this is a tactic that involves that continuing to dog those elk you have to you have to try to uh, catch up and when they go over the ridge is when you increase your speed because the goal in this tactic is to catch the bull you want to be above the bull just as he goes over when that happens he doesn't like it a mature bull is the the best way to call in a mature bull is to get above him you would think that oh that gives puts him at a disadvantage but they do not like to be at that disadvantage so they want to stomp back up take the higher ground and tell you off and also many times once right when you peek over is when you can get the closest to him as well so you're going to want to stay in hot pursuit you're going to want to keep calling and you're going to throw out 
aggressive bugles as well as multiple cow calls. Like the herd got split up and this bull's also like moving with the herd and moving into the herd. Many times I'll throw those cow calls behind me and that bugle straight forward. Like, hey, this bull's coming for me and I need to do some defensive moves to get these cows. I cannot, I mean, I don't even know if I could tabulate the amount of times that this tactic has worked for me. Now, in order for this tactic to work, you're just going to have to know that like you're going to have to put in some miles and you have to do it pretty fast. You want to be there while the elk are there. So you're going to be moving and calling. And then once he stops and, you know, is like stopped and calling, you're doing the same. So you're, you're mirroring those elk until the point that you can trick that bull to coming into your setup. And it's a really good tactic when you bugle and a bull rounds up his cows and moves away. All right, number three. So you're finding elk they are doing the same thing pretty much every morning. And this happens a lot, right? So if you've got some bulls that you're watching, what they're doing, maybe they're down low. And then pre-light, they're, they're bugling and they're making their noise. And then it's like they're doing this, rounding up their cows and moving off. But it, whether you're calling or not, that's just what they're doing. And what you're going to find they're doing is they're probably moving off pretty quickly. And they're generally going to be going uphill into the wind. It's very hard to get in front of them. And there's many elk that um, – there's one particular place that I hunt, and it's like the bulls do this same thing every day. And for a long time, what I did was I would get down below them. I'd be downwind. I'd start to call and hope to call a bull to my location. And yet the bulls had their cows, and then I just ended up dogging them, dogging them, dogging them, but never being able to catch up because they would just be moving so quick. And then it was like, well, now it's the middle of the day and they're bedded somewhere. So one tactic you can think about, and especially if you're like at, you know, if you've you've got elk that are kind of, you're like, okay, I keep finding these elk down in this particular spot. And then in the mornings they're going up and they're disappearing on me. What they're probably doing is they're just doing the same thing. This is their daily pattern. They're moving uphill. They're moving into the wind. They're going to that bedding spot. So what you need to do is identify that bedding spot and then intercept. Many times this can be, I mean, I've chased elk as far as four or five miles from where they are in the morning to where they're going to end up bedding later in the day. But figuring out where that bedding is, you can often get a few steps ahead. So instead of starting out the morning down below the elk, I thought, okay, I know where the elk are going or in the general direction. I'm going to get ahead of them. Now the wind might not be great, but by the time they get to the point where I'm at at the hill, I'm hoping that those thermals and drafts change or the wind changes. And I'm able to intercept and get a little bit ahead. So it's kind of a combination of dogging the elk, but just kind of having elk that you've found before and then getting ahead of them, identifying those bedding spots and trying to do a more of an interception tactic where those elk are moving uphill into the wind and you're kind of cheating the wind alongside of them already ahead of where they're at. So you hear elk early in the morning, but they, you know, you tried the day before and they weren't super receptive to the calls. You tried dogging the elk and you just couldn't do it. So now the tactic is going to be, we're going to switch to an interception tactic where we get ahead of where we think they're going, let them do their natural thing. Then we're going to kind of sideline in with the wind to try to get a little bit ahead where we can then throw a cow call out and hopefully entice that bull to our location or even just intercept in something like a saddle or the potential bedding area. So it's a good way to play the chess game of bulls that you've, you've kind of been working 
and it didn't work out. So now what's the next move? What's the next step that we can take to try to take this game one step further the next day and not do the same thing that didn't work the day before? Scenario number four, you're camped out there, right? You've got bulls bugling all night long, yet during the day you can't get a peep out of them. You can't even find them. What do you do? So you know the elk are there. They're bugling. They're making noise. They're doing all their activity at night. Now, how do we figure out how to hunt these elk during the daytime? Uh, One thing that I like to do when I know I'm in an area, like I'll I'll be in my tent, I'll hear elk bugling, and I go, damn it, the elk are here. There's a couple things that are going on this time. So they're probably doing what's happening in number three, where they're bugling and rutting in one area, and then they're moving off and, and going into a bedding spot, which might be a ways away from where you're at. One thing that I like to look for in these scenarios is I try to locate productive wallows. So I'll use the middle of the day to, or morning or whatever to kind of still hunt around. And I'm trying to find a good productive wallow because I know that they're wallowing. Now they might be wallowing at night, but many times what they're going to do is they're going to hit those wallows as they move off to bed and as they come back down in the evening. Sometimes they'll even be bedded in those areas, maybe not making a lot of noise, but the bulls might sneak away and hit that wallow as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find those productive wallows. Then one of the ways that I figure out, well, which one's a productive wallow, especially if it's like you can't use trail cams or you don't really know or you're just hiking and you find something. Um, One, I go off the smell. This time of year during the rut when they're getting active, those wallows are going to be that perfume station and they are going to reek. The stronger the smell of the wallow, the more productive it's going to be. Now, one tactic that I also use to say like, well, what times are is he hitting this wallow? Uh, this is a tactic that I used a lot back in the day, especially before there was trail cameras or even in areas where you couldn't use them is I'd lay like a stick or something in the mud, like something that could be disturbed. I'd take a picture of the way that I left it. And then uh, I would do that like right before the evening and then check it in the morning. So maybe after light and and before light, if it's somewhere that's kind of close by and say, okay, they're definitely hitting this wallow at night um, or they might be hitting it during the day. And then I would use this this series of sticks and pictures essentially to kind of gauge if I checked a wallow and I'll check it in the morning And then come back and say like, okay, yes, they were here before. Also, if there's like some tracks around it, I try to cover those tracks if I can. But that's kind of impossible in a lot of scenarios. So the stick works pretty well of like, okay, yes, this was disturbed. Also, just looking at the clarity of it. Um, You know, if it's clear one day and, you know, take note of like what that wallow looks like. Like, okay, some wallows run clear and they can run clear pretty fast. But if it was recently muddy, then you're like, oh, okay, this one was clear yesterday, but it's muddy right now. So a bull has used it within a certain amount of time before it could clear out again. Could be, uh, depending on how much water is flowing in the wallow, could be pretty quick. Or if it's just a settling wallow or it's just like a stationary thing, maybe it takes a little while for that mud to settle down. Maybe the mud never settles down. But just paying attention to what that wallow looks like kind of helps you identify, okay, are they using it a certain time? And then locating those productive wallows. Sometimes you want to just sit near that wallow do some like calling, maybe use that as an area to not necessarily like, okay, well, maybe there's multiple wallows in one area. So you pick one to sit at, but you're using it to kind of pinpoint where those elk are when they're silent, when they aren't making noise, but figuring out, okay, here's a place where I can pinpoint where those elk might be because I know they're around riding at night, but how do I find them during the day? Locating productive wallows is a really good way to go. Number five, you're on a hunt, right? And the elk goes silent. Or you're in an area 
and the elk are just silent. They just are not making noise. My go-to strategy is to find a good glassing vantage. I switch my tactic from calling to glassing. And it, and I might even have to change the area that I'm in. I might have to find an area that's more conducive to glassing. We talked about this last week when it came to glassing tactics for elk. Picking your spot is, is just as important as anything, right? You, you got to pick a spot, like matching the spot to the tactic is extremely important. So if the elk are silent, I switch it up. I go glass. And glassing is an extremely productive way to find out. But if you're like, hey, this area is completely thick, it's all timbered, then you need to find a few places where you can use that tactic. So finding those clear cuts, finding those uh, south-facing slopes, finding those areas where you can throw out that glassing tactic and then finding good vantages to cover a lot of country because there's a lot of country that's not going to have elk. You need to cover a lot of country with your glass, so finding good vantages and good glassing spots. Number six, this is a tactic that I run into a lot, especially later in the season, but man, it can happen when the elk goes silent. It can happen kind of any time. It can even happen when maybe you're hearing a lot of activity during the night. The elk are only popping out at first and last light. So you see them first light. It's like they're there and then they just slip into the timber and you don't know where they go. And then maybe they're popping out again at last light or you're, they're every other. They're one morning, they're out in the morning, the other, they're out in the evening. But it's just those fringe, they're crepuscular times, right? They're just like pre-dawn and right before dark, dusk, that's when they're out. One of my favorite tactics for elk that are doing this is to pre-set up in their feeding areas. So what I'll do is say I'm glassing. The elk aren't being super vocal. They aren't, you know, whatever. And I see cows. Sometimes you'll just see cows out in the, like, feeding just right as it gets light. They're, like, out in a meadow or some kind of grassy slope or on some hillside, and then they just move off. What I'll do, I'll do whatever hunt I want during the day, maybe do some glassing and, and try to find some bedded elk. But before it gets too late, like midday before the evening, I'll go into wherever I pick them up at or where they've kind of been popping out and i'll literally just like sometimes if it's just tall grass big open i'll go lay in the middle of that because what i'm doing is i'm trying to get into position and anticipating what the elk are going to do this is a tactic that i use a lot especially later in the season or for rifle season but it's a tactic that's worked really well for me in the past uh, a lot of places when i was guiding in new mexico this was like the only way that i could we could kill elk because it was such thick oak brush. The elk would be out, they would do their rutting thing, they'd be out in the open, then they would just move off. And it was like you couldn't get in on them while they're out there because they just too many eyes, too much action, they weren't going to be called away. And you couldn't dog them, you couldn't go after them in their bed because it was too loud and it just like swirly winds and it just didn't work. So what I started doing was, all right, I'm just going to get to where they want to go and set up and wait and then as they come out sometimes i would throw a few cow calls out although it would draw the bulls out a little bit sooner um, i actually even use this tactic with a few decoys out there like set up a few elk decoys because what it does is it helps draw those elk into that feeding area a little bit sooner it's like oh there's already an elk out there sometimes i don't want to mess with that and like i don't want them to see where i'm at so i'll just throw out some bugles throw out a few cow calls and just call sparingly but just getting those elk that are like maybe on the fringes say oh i can come out here and, and check it out earlier 
uh, there's many times where I'm just laying in that tall grass and, and even just crawling in as the elk pop out. I'm just crawling in and making kind of like a, a stock ambush call tactic where I'm already where they want to be. Now I just got to get a little bit closer or allow them to feed my way or just be on the fringes of that uh, feeding area where you can kind of make a play if they start bugling in in the timber earlier. So it's just kind of like, once again, it's playing that chess game where we say, okay, the elk are here. Now I just need to kind of anticipate where they're going to be and put some time into that anticipation and being set up and waiting and being patient for them to make that move again. Sometimes it might take a couple days. It might take a morning and an evening or getting set up in their pre-light if they aren't already in there. Just be careful moving in there. In the mornings, I generally like to stay on the fringes and intercept them as they move out. In the evenings, I like to be already set up. And I would say you're going to have more success hunting them in the evening here than blowing them out in the morning. I've killed a lot of elk this way. And uh, it's a really good tactic, especially when it's like hot and tough. And it's like elk are still going to eat. They might not be going rut crazy, but they're still going to eat. And so just using those tactics to your advantage. Number seven, you're in a scenario where maybe you scouted it. Maybe you're like, you're in a great area and you can't find elk where you think they should be. What's the play? The play is move. I like to be mobile and I like to check a lot of spots to find where the elk are at. Now, granted, certain conditions can make it hard to know whether there's elk there or not. But if you are not seeing elk or hearing elk, right, go to a place where you will see and hear elk. Continue to move. Be mobile. That doesn't just mean like, you know, if you're, if you're packed in somewhere, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go up to this ridge over here and look on the other side. I'm going to check this other ridge. I'm going to check multiple spots. I'm going to be mobile. And, you know, that can be within a small area. It can be within a large area. Maybe you're day hunting. It's like, hey, I'm just going to go check a completely different portion of the unit because I need to figure out where the elk are being active and doing what I need them to be doing. If you aren't finding elk where you're at, go somewhere else. It's like, well, how much time do you give it? As much time as you think you need. And I know that that's super ambiguous if you've never done it before. You're like, I don't know how much time. For me, it's not a lot of time because I, I just know like, okay, I, I've, I feel confident. Not that there probably aren't animals there and not that you aren't going to pass up animals, but if they aren't doing what you need them to do where you're at, you know, maybe they're doing it somewhere else. So go up higher, go down lower, like change something up. Maybe they just aren't where you think they should be. Maybe something happened. Like maybe you're scouting and there's plenty of bulls there, but hey, all the cows are down low right now. And that's where the bulls are going to be. So move lower, move higher, try to adjust things. And then once you find where the elk are at, you know, figure out, okay, well, hey, they're up high right now. Maybe then look more high places if you lose those elk and you need to find more elk. Okay, that gives you an idea of what the elk are doing while you're there. So if you aren't finding elk where you think they should be, you know, so many people are like, man, we went in there, there was old rubs and other things, but we didn't see a single elk. And we spent the entire week there. And my, like, what did we do wrong? And my suggestion most of the time is you spent the whole week there. Um, go, go somewhere else, check, try different elevations, try a different type of terrain, try a different strategy or tactic, but go till you find the elk. And that is my, and sometimes that involves a lot of legwork. I know sometimes it just involves like, you know, have, pulling out your backup plans, but if there aren't elk where you're at, go to where the elk are, no matter how good the spot looks. Number eight. So you finally find the elk, right? 
but then you lost them. It's like, okay, I found the bulls. I was bugling. The, he rounded up his cows and went away. I don't know. Like, what do I do? I, I can't find him. Where did they go? One thing that I like to do is once I've found elk, I generally keep hunting those elk until – because what I can do is I can learn something about them. There's no, no sense in like leaving elk to go find other elk. Um, just because you lost them temporarily doesn't mean that they're gone forever. So what I will generally do is once I find elk in an area, I often kind of do the same thing uh, of how I found them. Like if they're in a certain spot in the morning or whatever, I'll try to see if there's a certain pattern to these elk. Because elk, the difference between like elk and mule, there's elk have, have a general pattern that even sometimes after they're spooked off during the rut, the cows are going to continue to do the same thing. Maybe they don't know why they were pushed away. There's something maybe they like about that area or that general area, not the same exact spot, but in that particular area. So what I try to do is I try to refine those elk. You know, just because I lost them once doesn't mean that they're completely blown out. Doesn't mean that they're gone forever. Uh, I actually really focus in on a couple spots when I'm elk hunting. Generally, like if I'm elk hunting for five or seven days, say day one, I find some bulls in a particular spot. I'll probably keep hunting those bulls as long as I can keep finding them because every time I hunt them, I'm learning something about their habit that I didn't know before. I like to kind of stay on elk. Now, this I wouldn't say the same as for mule deer. You know, if, if I like the saying like, oh, if, I wouldn't f- leave elk to go find elk, right? But mule deer, I leave mule deer to go find mule deer because not all mule deer, like some mule deer are just not in a stockable spot. And I'm like, I'm going to go find one that's stockable. I don't want to waste my day on a deer that's like, not going to put himself in a good position when there might be a a deer that will put itself in a good position. Elk, you could kind of say the same, but the thing about it that's different is the pattern ability. So I really want to learn the elk that I do find. So I'd say like for me generally on a seven day hunt, if I find elk in two places, I might only hunt two places. And I really try to like, okay, learn the elk that are in those areas because at some point during that hunt, I can then exploit that advantage until they kind of either get really pressured by me or completely change what they're doing, then I change what I'm doing. But if I've got elk that are playing the game, I really like to just learn those specific elk. If they're, if it's an elk that I want to take or, you know, whatever, um, you know, just because you temporarily lost them doesn't mean you aren't going to keep finding them. So I try to refine the elk that I have as opposed to like go somewhere completely new and, and find new elk if possible, especially if I'm packed in somewhere. It's like I, I treat those elk as like, these are my elk. I'm going to learn these elk. I'm going to figure out what these elk do, what these elk like, and then I'm going to make my move and I'm going to take one of these bulls. And that's a really good way to hunt. So just because you lose elk temporarily doesn't mean that you need to abandon a spot. I see a lot of people do that. It's like, oh man, it ran away. I'm never going to find him again. And that's not the case. I find there's very few times i will not find elk that i found before very few times um shoot the best bull i ever found or one of the best bulls i ever found uh killed was um like a 383 bull and i found him the first day of the season and i watched him he was feeding it was early season he moved off i don't know if i spooked him or if he just i think i kind of spooked him and i just couldn't get a shot he moved off. Six days later, I found that same bull. 
it was just like instead of going to a completely different spot, I knew that that bull was there. I just had to put in the time to find him. Now, that, that was an extreme case because it was a giant bull, and I ended up taking that bull. But um, I'm the type of person that's like, okay, just because you lose elk doesn't mean they're gone forever. I, I remember reading articles of like when an elk's gone, he's gone forever. And it's like, man, that's not my experience. Uh, when an elk's gone, he's probably not that far away. Um, he's just doing something different or maybe he's got a pattern that you don't fully understand yet maybe he feeds and beds three or four miles away doesn't mean that you did anything doesn't mean that he's out of the area doesn't mean he's not going to come back but just understanding like that pattern and building it out saying like where could these elk have gone you're going to have a general sense of what they might have done and then kind of exploring that really understanding when you really understand a herd of elk where they're at you're going to be really successful a lot of my success is just understanding a herd where they are. And obviously a lot of that's just from years of experience and saying like, okay, here's generally the pattern that they're following. But exploiting that pattern that elk have is a really good way to be successful. Okay, so number nine, you've got elk around. You see evidence of them. You see that there's fresh sign. There's maybe they're making noise at night like we talked about earlier, yet you just cannot find them during the day. My tactic in these scenarios is I start to still hunt those bedding areas. And what I'm looking for is those kind of flat spots. I talk about this nearly every time we talk about elk is like preferred bedding. But those like ridges, benches, saddles, maybe even like the tops of a hill where you've got some shade and then that wind that can kind of come down the mountain. And, and what I'm looking for is just those places where it's like higher – trafficked areas where there's a lot lot more tracks a lot more sign and i start still hunting through there's those areas but i'm intentionally targeting bedding areas for one reason and the reason is because like if i can't find the elk my guess is that they're off bedded and they do spend a lot of time bedded so if i'm trying to like pinpoint that period of time where they're going to be in one place the longest and so that's going to mean still hunting through some of those bedding areas a few of the tactics that i'm going to use i've talked about before calling through those bedding areas as well as just like even doing lots of bugles uh, as i walk around that like that midday bull that just wants to get up and investigate one of the best feelings in the elk woods is when it's slow and you can't find these elk and you're still hunting through and you're ripping bugles every three four hundred yards whatever and a bull bugles back at 11 a.m or noon or one whatever from his bed you go heck yeah game on because it just completely changed the outcome of your hunt it went from being very difficult to find elk to kind of figuring out where these elk are bedding and now having a play maybe only bugled once but it gives you a direction to go i love that when i get a bull to bugle from his bed and like i said before i've told the story a couple times before but the best bull i ever killed was just using this tactic and i've killed a lot of elk i'm just you know a bull that bugles in the middle of the day and says nah, i'm gonna check out what's going on over there so still hunting those bedding areas when you go look there's sign there's fresh rate rubs there's there's tracks, there's fresh, you know, fresh droppings, there's fresh whatever. I can smell the elk, I can smell the walls. There are elk here. Now we know we don't have to go somewhere else. We found the elk, we found the signs of the elk. We just can't put eyes on them. So I'm gonna start thinking about still hunting those bedding areas because I know that that's where they're gonna be for the longest period of time. Throwing out those calls as well as just kind of like using a lot of glassing tactics as I move. Extremely effective way to find those hard to find elk. Number 10, 
you just put an arrow in a bull. What now? The answer is call immediately. I don't care if you shot a bull, double lung perfect shot, or if you gut shot a bull or if, if you hit it in the shoulder. I don't know. Like you just don't know. There's a lot of scenarios that can happen. Things happen, right? We hope you make a really good shot. We hope you got a you know heavy arrow, solid broadhead, good penetration, and you're going to be blood trailing that elk. It doesn't matter where I hit a bull or a client of mine hits a bull. The first thing I do is rip a call. Why? Because it generally gets them to stop. Oftentimes, you can get a second shot. Um, not always, but it also like calms them down after that shot because it's like they're in rut mode, right? And as soon as they get hit, if you can bugle, like I always have my diaphragm call in my mouth. And once that arrow hits, I'm already bugling. And it doesn't even have to be the best. Most of the time it sounds like crap because I'm not using a tube probably. I'm just getting that sound out hard and fast. And what I'm trying to do is like snap that bull into the thinking of like something happened. Maybe it was a bull. Uh, because what will happen is they can stop, maybe give you a second shot. Maybe they don't give you a second shot, but they're within sight or they aren't going to travel as far. Elk are big animals. They don't bleed a lot. They've got to fill up that cavity before they start putting blood on the ground. Uh, finding really good blood trails on elk is few and far between, even on good hit bulls. So you don't want them to go very far. You want them to be bedded within range. Whether If it's a bad shot, you want them to not go far. I've seen a lot of guys, one shot that gets uh, happens a lot is with a, a bull. And it's like you know, most people, when they hit the bull, they think, I got him in the heart. And they actually got a little lower, it's probably when the bull's like full, stomach's full and it pushes their vitals up a little bit. So like everything's just a little bit disproportion. The arrow goes a little low and it's more of like this like weird gut shot that's behind the front leg. And if, if you never experienced that, it happens more often than you think. And like a guy will be like, man, I smoked this bull. It looks like a heart shot. He should be dead right over here and the bull's not there or whatever. This is probably what happened by throwing out that bugle immediately, oftentimes what happens, that bull will like be like, ah, I'm not feeling great and bed down within a, a smaller area. Then you can just wait. You might be able to sneak in again. You might be able to just keep eyes on it. You might just, you might just expire where it's not two miles away, but within 300 yards, right? So it's just a lot easier to find that bull. Even if you make a good shot, it's always good to just get that call out there and make a habit out of, I hit a bull with an arrow. I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit that call. That's probably one of the most important things you can do once you've arrowed a bull is to just call immediately. If you don't got a bugle, give them a cow call. Give them any kind of call to snap them into like, what was that? Because nine, I would say almost 10 times out of 10, they're going to stop again. Um, I, I don't know how many times that just single tactic has saved our bacon, especially like when I'm guiding, it's just, it's a lot easier when somebody's with you. Hey, if you're with your buddy, right. And your buddy smokes a bull, you hit that bugle immediately. That's your job as the caller is just call again to just rip that bugle or rip that call because it could be a game changer. You don't know where that arrow hit, or even if it hit good, you want that opportunity to have that bull within a close range. So I think those are some of the scenarios that I thought of that I feel like I encounter. And then some of the things you can do to increase your chance of success. Because if you're going out this elk season, you will probably encounter maybe all of those things, maybe some of those things. But I definitely think that those are some things to think about to help increase your success this September. 
I hope you guys enjoyed Elk Month. I hope you liked doing Elk Month during August. You know, in the past, I'd kind of always thought of Elk during September. And then, you know, so many people are like, man, I wish I had that tactic uh, actually a month ago. So I hope you guys enjoy that. What I'm really looking forward to is just keep me posted on your success. If you've got an elk hunt, or maybe you've got a deer hunt or whatever, whatever kind of success. If there's a tactic that you used, uh, reach out, let me know, share it on social media. Also, um, you know, thank you guys so much for those of you that have left comments and ratings on the podcast, wherever you listen, uh, feel free to drop comments. And if there's something you like, um, I love to hear about it. I appreciate you guys. I, I read through those a lot and I really appreciate that. Also, if you don't subscribe to the podcast, just uh, hit the subscribe button. You know, it doesn't really change the way you listen to it, but it just uh, in some weird way helps us out. Um, so I thank you guys so much for that, for those of you that subscribe and check out the podcast. I just really appreciate everybody. Um, I'm so thankful that I have uh, such an awesome group of people to, to share my information with. And then just thank you guys so much for the two-way communication. Uh, one thing about two-way communication – one of my favorite things we're going to be doing today, for those of you that are listening early, 10 a.m. Pacific time is the tentative plan. Sometimes there's technical difficulties, so you can always figure out if anything's going weird on my social media, at Remy Warren on Instagram. We're going to be doing the live wild podcast, the Live Wild Live. So you can call in. It's really fun. The way it works is there's like a certain set amount of people. So the first callers are in. Once you're in, then I can go through and we've got a call screener, screen the calls, and you can you can actually hear the podcast going on. If, you, if you're in there, wait a little bit because sometimes I let it like load for the first couple minutes once it's going. So um, just if you're in, stay in, and then uh, you can listen to the podcast, ask your question. I always do a little bit of a giveaway as well. Um, so really looking forward to that. If you got elk questions, shoot your elk questions my way. But if you got questions on other stuff – that's all good. You know, I, I want this to be um, beneficial to, to what you're thinking, what you've got your questions on. So any kind of question, I'm happy to answer. I always look forward to those. This is some of my favorites. So thank you guys for everybody that's going to call in. And if you don't get in this time, you know, you can always try calling in a little bit later too. Sometimes uh, if you don't like right at 10 a.m., right whenever it opens, you want to be on the line. But uh, if you aren't, Sometimes, you know, I'll start dropping callers and sometimes you can get in if you got a really good question or, or we cruise through them. Sometimes I can answer a few more, but I let that run for about an hour. So looking forward to that. Also, as a reminder, you know, a few podcasts back, we did one uh, with the guys at Mountain Tough. And you know, I talked about a lot of these strategies that I talk about and I've talked about it, you know, I, I'm really thankful that I got to partner with Mountain Tough because I feel like it's that missing piece to this podcast. If you're like, man, all these tips and tactics, but that physical aspect, we just cannot overlook, right? I mean, I find that that's probably one of my biggest things to success is just being in shape and able to go after them. And it doesn't matter like where you're at, like you can always be a little bit better. And that little bit better might be the difference between punching a tag and not. I'm pretty stoked because they extended the, you know, that six month free trial for our guys. So if you use code live wild, you get essentially a free month plus a couple weeks. So that's, that's pretty substantial. And I know, um, some people asked about it, so I wanted to actually address how you do it. So you go on to the mountain tough website or app, and then you just, you choose the monthly membership and then put the code in. So you got to do the monthly membership 
and then put the code in. So it gives you those free uh, six weeks. And yeah, it's never too early or too late. If you're like, ah, shit, my, uh, my season starts here pretty soon. I've got a rifle elk hunt. I just get started now. If you're like, ah, I don't have a hunt going, absolutely now is the time to start for next year because you're going to put yourself in that better physical shape. One of the things that I think is very inspirational to me is the way that my dad changed his entire lifestyle for hunting so he could keep up with his, his kids. Now my dad is a freaking machine. I mean, that guy, like, I sometimes have trouble keeping up with him. You know, he went from overweight and not, I mean, he was always a good hiker. Like, he was just tougher than nails. And the, the cool thing about Mountain Tough as well is it, it's both physical and mental preparedness. That mental toughness is such a huge factor in being able to stay after it. That's one thing that I really enjoy that they do as well is they touch on that mental toughness thing. I'm a big proponent of mental toughness. If you had to choose to be mentally tough or physically fit, you know, you can grind through a lot if your mind will let you. So check that out if you guys want. I so thankful for you guys. Until next week, we're gonna next week we're gonna be replaying that live call in. So give me a call and let's um Countdown to elk season. Make sure to send me your success picks. I'll catch you all later.